If you're anything like me, you're booked and busy. From family duties and work responsibilities to catching up on your favorite shows and podcasts. Yes, like Wrestling with Freddie, with me, Freddie Prinz Jr. With all the responsibilities we have, it's always nice to have someone in your corner. That's why State Farm is there for you with your auto and home insurance needs, helping you protect the things you love and helping you save money. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Call or go to statefarm.com for a quote today. State Farm, proud sponsor of the Michael Tura Podcast Network. You ever heard the phrase, the more things change, the more things stay the same? And while we love the excitement of new things, it's also nice to have the reliability of something constant. Hey, it's Wilmer Valderrama. And when it comes to insurance, State Farm is a good neighbor you can count on. Solo llama a tu agente. Another way State Farm helps is by supporting the creators and storytellers of the Michael Tudor Podcast Network family. Con la ayuda de State Farm, estamos ayudando y asegurándonos de que nuestras voces sean escuchadas. Como un buen vecino, State Farm está ahí. Aprende más en es.statefarm.com. This is an official download from thecustardtv.com. Yes, remember us. We're the team from the Custard TV podcast. Not done one for a while. And I say remember us because it's the original trio reunited this week. Gary's back. Yay! It just so happens that AC12 lure you back to the podcast every now and again. He's like one of those characters in Line of Duty that they bring back after three series and you're meant to remember who they are. Can I just say, before we start, and it's great to have the three of us back. Now, I don't, I know we're a telly podcast, and I know we don't talk about the big news that's been online. There's been a lot of arguments on Twitter, and I don't want to start another debate, and I don't want to be called a racist or anything like that. But I do want to talk about something that's happened in the time we've been off that I feel like we should use this podcast platform for, and I will edit it out if I listen back and I come across wrong. Because people have so many thoughts on this. It's really stirred the pot. And it's made me quite angry, really, some of the comments I've seen. Should Kermit the Frog really have been allowed to be on The Masked Singer? It's not a thing against green things. I don't mind. It's not easy being green, though, Luke. Well, yes, but he doesn't have to throw it in our face. If if I can quote the comedian and poet... Uh, Brian Connolly. It's a puppet. British puppet that I'd like to see on The Mass Singer, Sooty. Because it would just be a very quiet performance. And very the... quiet. <laughs> I, I'd like to see Finger Mouse. <laughs> yeah. I mean, are you, are you, you're you not going to mention Meghan Markle and the Royal Family then, no? What, what's that? No, nothing. Don't tell him. Luke. Hey, everybody, here's our staff. Gary. You've never heard of him before today. And Matt. He's a professional. The telly-obsessed trio. Enjoy your show, boy. This is the Custard TV Podcast. Should we mention, though, because I think this has happened since our last podcast, the BBC Three announcements? Yes, we should. Somebody tweeted me privately and said it's quite an embarrassing decision for the BBC, and I hadn't looked at it like that before, to take something off, remove the majority of its budget, put it online because that's where the audience is, and then years later go, actually, we'll put it back on telly again. What does it replace? 
I heard that they might be combining the, the, the kids' channels or something, the CBBs or something now. BBC Three will be on the CBBC channel after it shuts at 7. Don't Is that right? You don't know when CBBC no, no, I... shuts, Gary. Well, CBBC no, shuts at 7. I know when yeah. CBBC shuts because it's straight after in the night garden. And the yeah. bedtime story when you Absolutely. go to bed at 7. Absolutely. But I think they're going to have to be careful what the first show on... Um... If they take over from CBBS, because most kids know that in the night garden or the bedtime story is the last thing. If that comes on, then with Snog Maria Void. Uh, I was going to say Snog Maria Void. That was because that was always the seven o'clock show, wasn't it? Snog Snog Maria Void. Something else. Obviously, it was 2016, wasn't it? In when went online. But since then, BBC have more been focused on pushing people onto iPlayer. So yeah. I suppose my yeah. question is, is it mainly a, a decision that they would get more money to make the shows if they are on, you know, are on the actual telly rather than online? Do they get more of a budget to oh. make the programs? Is it more of a monetary thing or do they now think that more people are still watching on, I you know, what do, no, do you know I, what the rationale I, I, I was behind it? I wish I could answer it? any of that. The only thing okay. I would say somewhat <laughs> related to it is when I wrote a piece uh, a while ago about things going straight on to iPlayer, I contacted a couple of TV writers who had their series go straight on to the iPlayer as opposed to Air Weekly. And uh, Joe Barton, who wrote Gui Haji for BBC Two, said he was told that going straight on the iPlayer, the show would get more promotion and more of a presence than it would do just on the telly. So I don't quite know what the rationale is behind it. I'm happy that it's happening, but I don't understand why now is the time they think. Because even there's a billboard far, not that far away from us with Line of Duty on it. Big picture of Adrian Dunbar, and it looks fantastic. And underneath it says Line of Duty, BBC iPlayer. It doesn't say Sunday, 9 o'clock, BBC One. So I don't quite know. They're, they still seem, in my opinion, to be very confused of what is TV... What is the iPlayer? How the two can work together and side by side? I don't understand. Because, because Channel 4 have been very clear that, you know, all four is our main priority. And that's when you hear, see a trailer for an upcoming show, it, it, it is always all four and Channel 4 rather than the other way around. Another thing, as you mentioned, promotion for Line of Duty, Luke, what do you think of the little indents that are appearing on BBC One randomly for advertising Line of Duty? Yeah, I hate that. It's very American. Yeah, It's a very American TV thing to do, and I've never seen it done for anything else. I, I, I used to hate when you would watch American shows, particularly if you were getting them from your Uncle Don, that at some point during the show would be a massive picture in the right-hand corner yeah. for what's coming up next, you know, whether it was, you know, 24 or whatever. And now, as you say, they've started doing that over here a little bit. Mm. Spe- so, specifically with Line of Duty. Yeah. Can we can we talk vaccines for a minute? How, how's the vaccines going? The, the band or the, the... No, I wasn't thinking necessarily of the band, sorry. I had a whole thing set up to talk about the band, but okay, you talk about the medical marvel that is the NHS rollout of the vaccine for COVID-19. Have we now all had number one? 
Yeah, we've all had. Uh, it's 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 glad to know you, you listen to the podcast, Gary. Yes, funny. We it? talked about it in excess on the last show where oh. I I'd had my vaccine about two hours before we recorded. Ooh. Luke had had his two days before. No ill effect. I had a very sore arm the first night, but that was about it, really. You know, it felt like it ached, but apart from you know, no sort of fluiness or headaches or anything like that really so just because i take care of pastoral care on the podcast did somebody <laughs> rub it for you <laughs> no. matt was screwed gary did you say you had the astrazeneca Is no i right? had pfizer. pfizer oh we're all pfizer boys here then we're all pfizer boys the pfizer crew coming up i've got about two weeks now to my second one uh so yeah. i'll be able to let you know how that goes An unusual situation a friend of my mum's She's in her 30s, no extra sort of things going wrong with her. She had her letter for the vaccine before her 55-year-old father, who lives in the same house, same GP, and has a liver condition. And I just thought that was unusual that, you know, because I haven't heard too many stories of that. They're now saying half the population has been done. I think that was announced today or yesterday. Mm. Um, and, and, you know, we, we, you're into your 30 to 39 year old bracket. So, yeah, I just thought that was unusual that someone like that had been missed. Did she have it? She did. Oh, well, she was due to have it. Uh, I think she got the letter when she last spoke to my mum. She was due to have it sometime soon. So, okay. but I, I said, just take your dad along and go ER. Yeah. <laughs> do him instead. Do him instead, you know. On the podcast this week, we have four shows to discuss. ITV's crime drama Grace, which brings John Sim back to ITV after some ropey uh, tries with other stuff. Uh, Then we've got The Flight Attendant, which is all there on Now TV and airing on Sky One on Friday nights. We're going to touch on the fourth series of Unforgotten, which I'm really enjoying, on Mondays on ITV. And if you've seen any of those banner ads, you will know that Line of Duty is back for its sixth series. Just beware, if you haven't seen it yet, we are going to spoil it. But weirdly for Line of Duty, there's not that much to spoil. So if you've already read Matt's brilliant piece on the website, that's at thecustardtv.com, you'll get a sense of how he feels. But he does such a good job of summing up that hour-long episode that I would like him to condense that for our podcast ears. Hello. Hi. <laughs> oh, it, I thought we'd done hello. Sorry. It, we it, well, that's, that was, uh, you know, I was bringing back the, oh, yeah, the catchphrase. catchphrase. Oh, I Say <laughs> so what you see, if you see it, say it. So, yeah, Line of Duty is back for Series 6. Um, the focus, our sort of target of this series, DCI Joanne Davidson, played by Kelly McDonald. She is heading up the uh, murder investigation team, specifically a case involving a murdered journalist, Gail Vella. Vicky McClaw's Kate Fleming is now on this team, having left AC12 uh, after the events of the last series. Steve's still at AC12 and he's working with a new partner, Chloe, but it seems to be a bit listless. He's looking for work elsewhere. There then is a development in the in the Vela murder. They get a tip off of a new suspect, but on their um, way to apprehend this suspect, 
Kelly McDonald's character, Joanne Davidson, notices a robbery going on, even though nobody else spots this straight away. She's right in her assumptions and, and it take it takes a while for the suspects to be uh, arrested. Uh, one of them is shot by by an officer. And by the time they get to the flat, they arrest a man who is eventually identified as a Terry Boyle, who uh, we recognise as a character who's been seen in various se- series. Eventually, one of the uh, coppers involved in the, in the case, Farida, who again is another character who we've previously seen in past series, comes to AC12 and, and says... There's something going on there with her. Things are going wrong. I think this needs to be investigated. AC12 start their investigation. But I suppose, the, Luke, you're saying there isn't much of a twist. The only real spoiler, I suppose, in this first episode is you find out that Farida and Joe used to be in a relationship. Is her intention more motivated from revenge than actual sort of facts? Matt, because I know how you feel, I'm gonna and people do if they read the review, and Gary is the guest... I'm just going to give my views first. No, I'm joking. <laughs> Gary, <laughs> how did you... <laughs> how did this, you find... This felt like an old friend coming back after being in lockdown and we sat together and we chatted for a couple of hours. This was wonderful. I know this is going to sound strange because we got a lot of action in the first episode and I'm aware that in most of the Line of Duty series, the first episode has the action in it or at least the first act action, because, of course, mm. it's the, the thing that kicks off the investigation. And it was well kind of laid out. The one thing that I think that I would pick nits in, I didn't like the character of her boss, Kelly McDonald's boss. I didn't quite understand whether he was just ignorant. He's, he's been in it before, though, hasn't he? Isn't that... Was, Is he? was he not in the Tandy Newton series? Was that Nigel... Boyle? Wasn't he the boss there, or am I just... Comp- no, I think yeah. Right. I, I mean, he that. looks familiar. I'm sure he's been in other things, so I wouldn't be surprised if you're right. I didn't recognise him from that. I don't know. Just it got on my nerves, but not in the right way. I thought Kenny McDonald was superb. You know, she is a true line of duty kind of character. She's got these scruples. She's got these morals. But you know there's something going on underneath. The, underneath. You know, she has this very fractured home life. You know, she's just split up with Farida. And there was something going on at her house as well. They were focusing on a picture of her and her mother, I assume. Obviously, with Line of Duty, one of the things is it it doesn't do the big reveals at the beginning. You are supposed to ask questions. You are supposed to think, well, how did she see that armed robbery going ahead at Mm. high speed? You know, and I did love all of that. As as an opener, I loved it. Do you feel like the BBC have somewhat got people's hopes up with all these banners and stuff that they're doing and then the episode is a bit lacklustre compared to other openers. I don't, I don't think it's lacklustre in, it, in its pacing and in its, its, its action. Perhaps it's not what you expect, but then you also know that you've got five, I don't know how many, five or seven more episodes you, to play out. This is, yeah. this is the so I, I, seven. I'm not sure that I would say it's a disappointment. See, I would, and I'll tell you for why. I wasn't sitting there going, I wonder what the next big twist is, what the big cliffhanger is at the end of of the episode. I mean, you could say having not having a twist at the end like he's done in every other series at this stage, not having one is almost a twist in itself because that's what we've come to expect and he hasn't done that. He's not given us this massive cliffhanger at the end of it. But I think when I read Matt's review and I hadn't picked up on it myself 
subconsciously I had, but when I read his piece, it sort of came together. It just feels very empty and, and like the characters are quite distant. I found it really cold. And all the all of the bits that have been part of the show's DNA from the beginning, all the bits you expect, like the acronyms that are thrown in that you don't quite understand, but you just go with it because it's what Line of Duty does and, and Jed will explain it when Jed's ready. Because I wasn't enjoying it very much, all of those things that I knew Line of Duty does and that the people who don't like the series pick up on really started to rankle me. And I was thinking, the only thing that this episode has going for it and the only reason I will continue on is because Jed and the crew have my good faith. I know that there's this is going to get much more interesting and much more exciting as it goes on and there's no way I'm going to abandon ship, you know, at the end of Series 6, Episode 1. But if I was reviewing this as an episode of Sunday Night, a brand new drama, would I feel compelled? Were the characters there? Was Joanne as interesting as you think she was? Was it social distancing that made it feel odd? There was something Mm. really off about this first episode, and I don't mean the pacing, and I don't mean the the lack of no twist. I was really bored, and I've... And I, we're going to come on to a show that I've not been quite about loving and I had a lot of fun with. And this, I know this anyway, but Line of Duty takes itself remarkably seriously at every opportunity. And I just found it a bit of a chore, this one. I really did. And that gives me no pleasure to say at all because we've always, as a group uh, and as a website, as a podcast, we've always championed this show. But this one, I, I was bored by it quite quite bored i don't want to say that and i think i mean i've watched it twice now because uh, as you say you know for for writing the review i wanted to sort of give it sort of full attention and and write some notes and things like that as well i did feel that the pacing was a little bit off and and that was because of the narrative the 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 main set piece narrative structure is that it is a an investigation that is halted so it does have that sort of stop-start nature to it. You haven't got the urgency that that a lot of these other. If you remember, for example, I think the the series two one, which I remember really vividly because I watched it at the screening. Even the stuff in in series four with with uh, Jason Watkins and and Tandy Newton. This just did this. I wouldn't say boring, Luke, because I think I was invested. It was inconsistent, and there it was just a, a sort of a lack of pacing. And and I I think you you hold line of duty in, into a sort of a higher pedestal, and and these guest characters, these main focuses, are quite lot not larger than life always, but memorable. You you know them by the end of, of the first episode. I feel you know the they're mm. either unpredictable or ambitious or you know, a little bit weird in the in the case of Lindsay Denton. And, and in the case of Joanne Davidson, we didn't really see a lot of her outside of work. And actually, there wasn't a lot to suggest anything other than a, than a good copper, really. I mean, the, the insinuation was that the betting shop robbery is set up. Nobody else saw what she saw. But, the, you know, they still diverted the route and, and, and things like that. <laughs> the only 
element of of her so far that we know, as you said, Gary, was that she's just broken up with her girlfriend and that she's quite paranoid, I think, because of the additional oh, yeah. locks on her door. Obviously, a poor relationship with her mother. There's something there. But I didn't feel like I knew her and I knew that I was intrigued in whether she is underhanded or not. And I think you need that intrigue. You need to have a certain... If you're anything like me, you're booked and busy. From family duties and work responsibilities to catching up on your favorite shows and podcasts. Yes, like Wrestling with Freddie, with me, Freddie Prinze Jr. With all the responsibilities we have, it's always nice to have someone in your corner. That's why State Farm is there for you with your auto and home insurance needs helping you protect the things you love, and helping you save money. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Call or go to statefarm.com for a quote today. State Farm, proud sponsor of the Michael Tura Podcast Network. We started our company, Girls Who Do Interiors, before we even graduated design school. And we turned to Chase for Business to build along with us. They had everything from banking to payment acceptance to credit cards all in one place. And with the Chase mobile app, our business is wherever we are. It's made for business owners who build to inspire. Learn more at chaseforbusiness.com. Make more of what's yours. Real customers compensated. Chase mobile app is available for select mobile devices. Message and data rates may apply. JP Morgan Chase Bank and a member of the IC. I want to find out if they are crooked or not, because I don't have that at the moment. Line of Duty does have these characters that they bring back after, like, so as I say, Terry... Terry Boyle was in the last series, but was also in series one. He had Jackie Laverty's body in his freezer, and they did mention the freezer here. Series five changed a lot. It was the first time that a character in AC-12 was the focus of an investigation. Wrong. Oh, sorry. Series three, they said that Steve was the caddy. Well, sorry, yeah, sorry. Okay, but the the first time that Adrian Dunbar's character was investigated, shall we put it that way. The change in her leaving and him being discredited, and you got a wonderful little scene where he hadn't been invited to some sort of senior event in his own building and was told, look, you know, this is your penance. You know, you've been investigated. You were cleared, but you're not in the top brass anymore. Do you not think that the dynamics have to change because of the importance of that in the last series? What I would say to that point is that I always forget, and it's my own fault, that whenever Line of Duty comes on, I always think of it like an unforgotten where you can, you know, start off fresh. And I always find the first episode of Line of Duty, whether I enjoy it or whether I don't, I always find it disorientating. And I think Jed assumes that people will have gone back and watched Series 5 because it took me a long time to remember, oh, yes, he was investigated. What was the fallout from that? And, yes, of course, the the dynamics have to shift. But I don't know. I just found it... It was like something was off. It was like... Mm-hmm. I can't articulate it well, and I'm so well, sick of being uh, on my own podcast saying that every week. I, I, I think... Missing. Well, I think partly is because you don't have a lot of the key characters together a lot of the scenes you know kate's left now steve's considering his options as you said uh hastings is like this disgraced figure you know some feeling he shouldn't be in this job anymore i think that is partly what it is i think one of the 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 highlights was that scene with steve and kate together in the car and actually that chemistry there and, and their interplay and actually 
that was the the lightest scene i suppose mm. you got you know to your point not only is jed wants you to remember what happened last series but wants you to remember every character from every yeah. series like you know gary yeah. say he can't remember buckles at all because he yeah. was a character that appeared two series ago as in you're meant to remember who terry boyle is and you know i had to i, I was like i'm sure this was the same character who you know the the, the gang were manipulating in the last series and obviously you know they mentioned finding the marks of a freezer in his flat which i think probably got the the cells working of a couple of people going oh yeah it's that guy but that's the thing you are meant to remember and i think that is a, a good trait to have in rewarding that loyalty but mm. you know for remembering these characters but i suppose what's what's important is here are three tv obsessives and we were scratching our heads a little bit about it. We we are big Jed Mercurio fans, big Line of Duty fans. And even we were going, was he in series two? Is that yeah. the same bloke? And I suppose I, I kind of see what Luke is getting at. It's not much so much of an issue for me. I love the episode and I thought it was good. And, and I think it was a good introduction what? to this series and yeah. kept you reminded of what had happened before. What I would say in its defence, and again, you know, this was I put this in my review, is I think our criticisms of it last series were around how much they changed the character of Hastings, how much dramatic licence was employed, how big it all felt. Mm. And actually, one of the good things about this was how pared down it was to almost to the extent that it went the other way for you maybe Luke that it was yeah. that there was not enough going on stylistically it's still there as you said Gary that music was always going the the, the yeah. direction of the the betting shop robbery even though it was quite a stop start was was excellent you know there are these aspects to line of duty which are there consistently the big gap is that we don't have the three characters that we love together in that almost that no. family dynamic and i think part of the reason for that is what happened in in series five and and all the stuff that happened with hastings i think luke you have to be happy that they're not completely banging on about h the entire yes. time now yes, that's got to be that, that is a real Though, though to be fair, I kept waiting for some mention of it. Yeah. To be fair to the cast, I mean, the the don't spoil this bit on the previews. I mean, they could literally say nothing. And all the interviews I've seen them do, I've seen a couple of private Zoom ones via the BBC, and I've obviously seen them on uh, other chat shows and things. The amount of people who are saying, "Will we find out who H is this series?" and it worries me that mm. people are only watching it for that now. When I've always had the argument that it's such a good show that it doesn't need this thing around it about who this mysterious person is which is bound to be a disappointment because these things ultimately I, I, are I, when and, you I, come to the and I think that part of that is the move to BBC One as yeah. well you know yeah. I think we, they never really you know that was something that was there but it, it seems to be more of a when you were on the big channel you need this overriding mystery and it was never as you say it was never a big thing and now we know that obviously there is a fourth person H isn't actually a person so I don't know why they're asking, are we going to find out who H is? Because last series we found out there isn't a person. It's a, it's a group. Is H, it, not who is H, have, isn't it? have forgotten know. that, haven't they? And, yeah. And, um, yes. Information, I wonder how it will be received. I'm fascinated to know how it will be received because I think a lot of people, a lot of ordinary people sitting down at 9 o'clock who don't forensically take these shows apart like we do, 
might have a different viewpoint, but I think a lot of people are going to think, oh, that's it, is it? And it's been built up to such a degree, and I know the viewers aren't going to fall off a cliff, because like me, although I didn't enjoy a lot of the episode, I have so much faith and goodwill for the series that, you know, I can and allow Jed. a slip. And Jed. Yeah, I, I wonder what the res- the initial response, because now online you'll get it at, at 9.59pm, you'll get a lot of people going, that was great, or oh, and I wonder which way the pendulum's going to swing. Yeah, it's very optimistic that people won't be tweeting throughout the episode. Yeah. Well, I, I hope not. I mean, no, I but they, they do. People do, yeah, unfortunately. Yeah. Line of Duty, if you've missed any of the promotion, is on Sunday nights. And as is Jed's want and the BBC's want, it will not be up on iPlayer as well as a complete box set. It will instead be on Sunday nights. So we've got six more weeks of Line of Duty. And despite my, my rather downer on it, I'm sure in the coming weeks I will be more enthused and more excited and more intrigued as the story uh, opens itself up. Sunday nights, 9 o'clock, BBC One. While we're on about freezers and shows we've talked about endlessly on the podcast, let's talk about Unforgotten, which is airing yep. Monday nights on ITV. We're up to episode... Well, as you listen to this, episode five will have gone out, the six in total. This is the story of a man who went missing on a night out. He is then found decades later when the house, when the house clearance discovers him in the freezer. If you heard our review of episode one, you'll know that the connection between all of our disparate people this series is that they're all ex-coppers or, or, or in some cases still probationers, in some cases still serving coppers, and they're all linked to the disappearance of this man who we, we're assuming was in the boot of a car for a journey and then placed into the freezer. You've got a Susan Lynch as Lizzie, who is this top commander almost she's going for the top job she's risen up the ranks then you've got ram who is an asian officer who is working in vice still and has used his race as a as a sort of springboard to use it to get to the top and discredit anyone who discredits him by playing the race card andy nyman's character who's moved on from the police but has a checkered background with drug cartels and drugs but is now raising money for his disabled son and you've got Liz Smith did I do it again? Liz White's character <laughs> Christ, that, at least I'm consistent Liz White's character who uh, left the police quite soon after starting it turns out after she uh, was disillusioned by the police service and actually killed a child in a hit and run accident. I think and you know how much I love particularly series two of the show, but I think this is the best yet. I am so interested in each one of these stories. Um, They feel so authentic, so raw, so tender, that I just, I'm invested in all of them. There's so many difficult questions being asked about how important race is. Uh, Ram's character puts Sonny Sanjeev Bhaskar's character in some really awkward positions when they're interviewing uh, him. Then there's the question of disability coming into it. Lizzie, is she as prim and proper as she seems? She's helped out Liz White's character, but, you know, is she really as good at a job as it seems? Uh, There's just so much going on, and I just think it's so... As always with Chris Lang, 
he does it with such a delicate hand that it just feels completely solid and well thought out. And I, I'm really, really properly looking forward to Monday nights. I'm not watching it prior on previews or anything. I'm watching it with the family on a Monday night at nine o'clock. And I'm really, really finding myself immersed and in, in love with this particular series of Unforgotten. And, and that's before, <clears throat> excuse me, we even talk about what's going on with Nicola Walker and her father and how that's playing a part and how her and Sonny are not enemies by any stretch but are further apart in their thinking and Nicola Walker's mind is on other things. She's been taken out of the will because that's what happens to Nicola Walker in every drama she's been in over the last few years. She's still waiting for Derek Jacobi to give her some money but that's not happening either. There's so much going on. I love it and I wondered whether... Gary, you felt the same because we hadn't spoken about this series at all. Uh, of course I love it. It's unforgotten. I think the word you used that I loved was authentic. Yeah. It's proper police work that we want to believe is how an investigation goes ahead. Right, you go and talk to that person. Mm. You, you're good at this. You go and talk to these people. You research that person. It feels real which is why I think we love it and we attach ourselves to it. The mix of the home life issues, which we used to kind of say about Unforgotten in the very first series, we love the fact that we don't know too much about their home lives. But true. now we're in series four, I love the fact that we are that bit more involved. Sonny's character is now moving in with his partner and because of this case, he wasn't able to be there on removals day and things like that. Those little touches which are so real life. Yeah. The scene that uh, depicts for me how much I really love this series is a small little one when the youngest of the male detectives goes to the self-storage place and the bloke working there recognises him as a prefect from his school and says, you were an idiot at school. Yeah. To me, that is just a perfect bit of writing because that is something that so would happen in a small town, you know, and, and it, it just feels so realistic and yet perfectly depicts what's going on in that scene and that's an important scene because you find the rest of the body you find the head but that interaction just perfectly puts you at ease in what could be quite a traumatic and dramatic setting but yeah. that little exchange does that really well i love what they've done with nicola walker's character she's she's got three months they've put a timeline on this which i don't yeah, think the, the other series isn't it? yeah exactly and it, but but also i don't think the other series had that they didn't have a finite, they seem to be ongoing. But this is like, she's got to do this before she retires. And you know, I think I know that's going to play into the next two episodes. She's turned into someone who's a little bit desperate now, you know, and the situation that's going on with her father, you know, it's it's made her that little bit more. And, and as you say, she's putting Sonny into some situations that she wouldn't have before, which I like as this kind of building tension. I, you know, there are bits in Unforgotten that I love. I love the reveal, you know, when they find the four names and they do that, you know, the woman in the uh, office, you know, is saying, right, well, there's, this is Liz and this is so-and-so and this is so-and-so. You know, they've slowly got them together, but in pairs. You know, they've not all... I remember there was a series where they all met up in a pub. Yes, um, too. Yeah, and that they're not trying to copy that, but they're giving homage to that, but it's in pairs. They're not... Mm. I don't think you're going to get a situation where all four meet till the end. I, could I be love wrong. the idea that this is a group of people that were very close at the time of this terrible accident or yeah. incident or murder or whatever it is. They've come up with a story to say if this ever comes out, 
yeah. and they've lived they lived their lives and now it's come out and they're just sticking to uh, the story and, and as that, they've... Say, that they've all been looking over their shoulders you know even when um the, the woman who's named the the chief commissioner of east anglia she was surprised you know and she's got the situation with her mother and her mother clearly knows what's happened mm. uh brilliantly by um uh John Thor's yeah. wife, name I can't remember. <laughs> Sheila Hancock. Thank uh, you, Sheila Hancock. Thank you. Is she? Oh, in the latest she, honours. Oh, right, okay. I don't believe it till I see her actually being dated. <laughs> <laughs> oh, there's so much to go into. So that technically, she wasn't when this was filmed by the no, time it's released. That's what Gary meant. Yeah, that, that's what I meant. She was still Pre-dame, John Thor's wife. Pre-dame John, John Thor's ex-wife. <laughs> We're all widow, ex-wife. Yeah. Well, <laughs> he's dead now, so it's his ex-wife. So, moving on. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Gary, what did you think? I, I want, I want Gary by, back every week. By, by the way, I watched all four episodes this week. I hadn't watched it because I was planning uh-huh. to binge watch it, uh-huh. but uh-huh. as I knew we were doing it, and I'm so glad uh-huh. I did because I really enjoyed it. And I think that's, you know, possibly why you you've enjoyed it as much as you have, Gary, because I struggle with it a little bit. I really like this last episode, I, and I agree with everything you're saying, Gary, about the police work side of it because I think that is the strength of Unforgotten, you know, the way they identify every little thing, the, the forensic detail they go the into. The they take to get yeah. there, yeah. they just leap into... Oh, yeah, okay. I think when we said about about Trapped, that the team, you know, under uh, Sonny and, and, and Cassie feel really realistic and, and authentic. I, I think what hasn't worked for me as much is the side characters. And I think that's because, you know, you went through the long list of the different themes that they're, they're, they're going through. I, I just think there's too much going on, or there certainly seem to be too much going on. And I think the thing as well with Unforgotten, it has to do that fine balancing act that we are introducing all these characters in the first episode, but we don't want to tell you too much until the investigation has got there. There was that fine balancing act for the first half of the series, which now they don't have to worry about anymore because they have hit you with all of these revelations about this altercation in the pub with Matthew Mm. Walsh that Liz was covering up for Fiona with this drink driving charge in in whenever it was 92 93 Ram is somehow involved with Dean in the in the incident where he went to Calais so there are still communications Mm -hmm. going on they've basically given you loads of plot in this fourth episode which now actually you know where you are now, but you know there was an and you're episode very where savvy. you're very savvy because when we reviewed the first episode, you said all their parents are really distant and disapproving, and the guy who trained them in the, gets this, his part in the fourth episode where he says they only had each other; they didn't have nobody else came to their passing out parade, and everybody comes to that. I think this is the tightest knit group of people. My issue with series three was that nobody really seemed connected, even even though it was supposed to be about a group of male friends that had known each other for years, and I didn't really get that bond, whereas this I'm, I'm really interested in. You know, I really want to know how this all will end and who eventually... I, I don't have a clue about... No, if no. there is one killer, I don't have a clue which one it is, mm. but, which makes me think there's not one killer. Mm. Yeah. Chris Lang is really clever when it comes to these reveals and I think each series has been really different and I think 
whatever you thought of the series build-up, you know, for example, last series where, Luke, you had a few criticisms of it, but the last two episodes with the reveal about Alex Jennings mm-hmm. being this serial killer and, and the interrogation scene there with Nicola Walker and things like that. I think for me, as I said, there's just too much. So basically, if Ram's storyline was just about his race and, and things like that, then I would really enjoy it. But as well, he is going through a sexual harassment case and his pregnant partner. They- Selling your car to Carvana is as easy as... As easy as pie? Sure. All you have to do is enter your license plate or VIN. As easy as a stroll in the park. Okay, then just answer a few questions and you'll get a real offer in seconds. As easy as singing. Why not? Schedule a pickup or drop off and Carvana will pay you that amount right on the spot. As easy as playing guitar. Actually, I find that kind of difficult. But selling your car to Carvana is as easy as... Can be. Visit Carvana.com or download the app to get an instant offer today. Well, well, well. Shopping for a car? Yep. Carvana made financing a car as smooth as can be. Oh, yeah? I got pre-qualified instantly and had real terms personalized just for me. Doesn't get much smoother than that. Well, I got to browse thousands of car options on Carvana, all within my budget. Doesn't get much smoother than that. It does. I actually wanted a car that seemed out of my range, but I was able to add a cosigner and found my dream car. It doesn't get much... Oh, it gets smoother. It's getting delivered tomorrow. Visit Carvana.com or download the app to get pre-qualified today. I think their baby might have Down syndrome. So he's got three different stories going on at once. Yeah, but I uh, would argue they don't, they never feel overpowering. I I, I do, I do. On. I think it's no, all, it's, there's too much tightly packed into 45 minutes, you know, with the stuff that's going on with Nicola Walker and Peter Egan. And, and then you've got Susan Lynch being blackmailed by the cleaner. To me, there just feels like there's too much in this series for you know, a six episode run. I just think there was too much going on. I I am enjoying the series now. We are getting, you know, into the back end of it and a lot of the revelations have come out, but it almost feels like they had to do a lot with these characters before it kicked into Cassie and suddenly interviewing them and because it was two episodes before they identified these characters. See, I would disagree. The only thing I would say is that I, Matt has a point, there's a lot going on, but I, I personally never feel bombarded with information. You know, people do have jobs and then they have their personal life as well. And I, I get the point that they're all a bit intertwined. And, and But I, I just look at it as... But there, then I think there was an inconsistency there. So, for example, Liz White spent an episode just signing contracts because she didn't have to have that story because that then played into her background and it feel it just feels like some of these characters had to have this going on on top because it's taken us a while to actually fill into the investigation and, and now and everything's feel, chunked do together you feel like some of that is because of the fact that they're former police officers that they've done it slightly differently this year for that no i just yeah i, I just inve- feel they've investigated former coppers before i suppose I think the only thing was Lorraine Ashbourne, was it, played the copper who was the wife of the man yeah. they found who turned out to be, a, a, you know, a, a child abuser in that second yeah, series. Which that I, I just think still that was the strongest series because it felt focused. It had that, you know, that central theme about these were three people who had been abused as children, even though it was a bit of a heightened concept. They're sort of strangers on a train you kill my abuser, I'll call your your abuser type thing. 
that all still worked for me and I think it was at the point where we didn't have have to focus on as much the the characters personal lives as well and I I I think it's a step too far for Cassie you know obviously as you say people do go through that with parents and and going through dementia but on top of that she's got this partner as well and they're thinking of moving and you know do you know what I mean though they're just everyone's got about three things going on at once and as you say yes that does happen in real life but this is a story that is being told mm-hmm. and I think from a storytelling perspective there's too much packed in when you've got six episodes of like 45 minutes to tell this story and I think part of that is the way that Unforgotten has to tell its story and I just think you know that that things will get lost you know that for example we've not seen Lizzie's partner you know she's planning this wedding that's completely been forgotten now I, I, and Chris Lang is, is a very good writer and I, I've got no you know worries that he will try and pay all of this off but it is going to feel rushed because we've only got an hour and a half left and there's so much that's been set up on this occasion i I just don't feel bombarded because i I wouldn't say bombarded i don't feel bombarded but i just think it's too much you know sitting back and looking how the story is being told it's too tightly packed in for everything to have a satisfying payoff in my opinion and i think part of the reason for that is that he's got to do that because the story structure of unforgotten means we can't find out too much about these characters until the investigation has been revealed and he's disrupting these interesting themes as you say you know about this son with learning needs about race and things like that and when it gets to those those are the most compelling elements of it but there are other things that i just feel and and you know the the couple who are having a baby that's with down syndrome and and that on its own would be an interesting topic but i do feel it gets but, it's getting particularly lost, you know? as particularly as you say as you've already got someone in the series who is mm. a down syndrome advocate and charity yeah. worker yeah, yeah, exactly. and yet that hasn't even been linked exactly Possibly because they don't want to be linked. No, no, no. They, no, meet, no, they meet secretly in the forest. You know, they don't want to even acknowledge they know each other. Well, talk about it. I think it, it warrants a discussion at the end of the series to see how we feel about whether those episodes were paced well because it is becoming more and more of a thing that we will say these things feel rushed. And although mm. I didn't enjoy Line of Duty very much, it's got six more hours to tell its story. Where it would normally have yeah, five it, minutes, yeah. So. the difference between episode one and episode four, I suppose. Unforgotten, still one of the best shows on television. The best and the worst on the box. It's the Custard TV podcast. Now, Gary, as an avid listener to the podcast, you never miss one, I know. Oh, yeah, never, never miss one that I'm not on. So imagine you're listening to this one. Just imagine that. Yep. Would you rather the people you're listening to link the fact that we've just spoken about one ITV crime drama and go into the next one? Or would you like a break from the crime drama as a listener to talk about something a slightly bit different that is also crime I think I'd like to get the crime drama done with and, and carry on my link with ITV drama and and listen to, to, to me talk about Grace. Because Gary has, has written copious notes on this, as Indeed. he told us on okay. Twitter. I, so I, I, wanna, I want to hear what these notes are. Sit back, grab a, sit, grab a cup of tea. Imagine this. Can I go and make a cup of tea? No. No, no. Okay. Well, you need to hear this. So can okay. you do both? Come on then, Gary. Right. Grace is based on the books by Peter James, which have been adapted for television by Russell Lewis, who is best known for his work on Endeavour. 
stars John Sim as Detective Superintendent Grace, who has been in the force 25 years. He's working out of the seaside town of Brighton with a little bit of his job uh, when, when you wrote these notes, yeah. were they on Wikipedia? No, IMDb. Um, <laughs> and me watching the show and knowing these things because I've read this okay. book. Well done. Thank you. Detective Grace's job is kind of on the line. He's kind of in the doghouse because two cases ago, he used a medium with some success in locating a missing person. But on his last case, he also tried to use the same medium and lucked out. He's actually in court, as we see him for the first time, appearing in answer to this last case that he was on. So he's kind of like the man on the outside at the moment and seems to have an interest in missing people cases in general. He also is attending a group for the fact that he lost his wife six years ago and is slowly kind of, it appears, getting his life back together. You actually see him on a first date. The case that he's working on is almost a favour to a friend. He comes in as the, the sort of lead investigator of a stag do gone wrong where the stag michael has gone missing after the stag do and unfortunately what's happened is the car or the van where the rest of the stag party were in crashes and all of them die the prank that was played is that uh, the other members of the van stuck michael in a coffin because one of them worked at a funeral home and they left him with an air hole and a cb radio and obviously the plan was to go back for him later but the problem is, is that nobody does. Somebody later on comes back and removes the air vent. And this is a masked man. And then obviously there's also someone else watching him. A character called Davy, another learning disability person uh, in one of these three dramas, interestingly enough. Uh, also with, with mental health issues. He takes the CB and eventually he's murdered for his involvement. There's also Michael's fiance, who is having an affair with his best man. But then there's a huge double bluff involving the fiance and somebody else that she's involved in. All in all, it was an absolutely big mess. Painfully slow at times. I've never seen anything with John Sim where he doesn't really have any character. Yeah, I, I'll be honest, I've never seen anything with John Sim that's been so dull. We see more than the detective see, which I always hate. When we compare it to Line of Duty and Unforgotten, they introduce the other characters, but they don't give you more than the detective see. So this one was really annoying. Also, there was a scene where John Sim kind of puts the whole story together on a cliffside. He suddenly has these kind of like moments where he fits all the pieces together and goes after the fiance, and it was just appalling. This took me three goes to finish. Had you had you read this specific book many years ago? And I think this is a poor adaptation because the book is okay. I'm not a Peter James fan, and he has got the medium involved in a lot of his other stories. I just found this so clunky, and as I said, it took me three goes to get through it. Now I'm a fan of Endeavour. I'm a fan of long dramas where you get a, a full-formed, slow pace. But this was not this. I think somebody was trying to adapt the book in a rushed fashion. And it this was Russell Lewis, who writes Endeavour, adapted this book. Yes. It's uh, weird, I, isn't it? It is. But I, I think because it's not his story that he's created like he does for Endeavour, he's had to kind of stick with these key plot points through the book but hasn't thought at all about pacing, in my opinion. So I watched this on the preview site, 
And I had to check that I wasn't watching like episode three because I felt like, hang on yeah. a minute, we're being plunged into the middle of a court case about, uh, you know, a trial of about an investigation that has already happened. Grace has been disgraced, not upon the pun, and he's working in like cold cases now and has joined this case, as you say, as a favour to a friend, a sort of a consulting detective mm. almost. But I felt like, hang on, have I missed like one story already and we're on to like episode two? It took me two goes as well, Gary, to get through this. You know, it was like an hour and a half. And I the, the structure was very deliberate in terms of bit of an investigation, bit of an investigation then, or oh, a bit of a plot twist. Oh, he's in, we, we find out he's in the coffin just before one of the ad breaks. And then, oh, he's, you know, the best man's having an affair with the wife. And, oh, the wife's actually this sort of Black Widow character. There's another antagonist running the thing and John Sim to me at the moment seems to be made you know what were his last few series White Dragon and, and uh, Collateral you know Trauma it, it, I don't even, oh Trauma yeah. yeah see that was one of those like three parters though that I quite, <laughs> that was at least sort of a bit ridiculous Trauma but I, I suppose his sort of police procedural ones have been very dull he looked disinterested the entire yeah. time. I suppose he was he was playing this character who had been through, as Luke said, trauma himself. His wife had gone missing and he had no closure on that. And I think that's what he was trying to play. But none of the supporting characters felt, well, you know, the I suppose either the coppers who presumably are going to be popping up again in future episodes felt particularly well drawn or the characters that they were investigating and I wasn't invested in the investigation either which is hard to say so yeah yeah no I agree with you Gary on this I can't say anything more than what you've both said really it just seemed to it's one of those shows that the story just seemed to get more and more and more bonkers not in an exciting way. No, no, just more and more and more sillier and sillier. And you have to remind yourself that Russell Lewis is so clever. Those plots on Endeavour, oh, I love are them. So intricate. But these, this isn't his work. This isn't his source no. material, which is what I'm going back to with him. You're so right about John Sim because little Luke, who lived in America and loved his British television. If John Sim was in the cast of something, Little Luke would phone his friend in England and say, please record it, because yeah. John Sim is a mark of quality. His work up until he decided to join with ITV in 2013 with Prey, which we kind of liked, but everything after that has been a disappointment and a mess. You're absolutely right that the character was so thin he had nothing going on apart from the normal things of a copper with a wife gone missing and is tra traumatized and got a bad past that he's trying to run away from and it just it was the closest itv have come and they've done a lot of crime drama the closest they've come to sort of inadvertently doing a touch of cloth i, I literally i i literally just said that but realized my mic was muted <laughs> i said yeah. it was very touch of cloth What's interesting is that uh, I, I haven't done this bit of research, but actually this episode covers two books, which I had never realised. It covers Peter James's first two books, Dead Simple and Looking Good Dead. And I think that actually explains a lot. Mm, uh, and the first book is connected with the disappearance of Michael Harrison. And the second book 
picks up minutes after the, the, the information and talks more about him and his family and then stuff like that, but doesn't go into the crime that that book is interested in, but it carries on some of the extra storylines. I remember reading Dead Simple many years ago, and I thought it was an enjoyable read, but I, I wasn't a fan of Brighton as a, as a, as a location for crime drama. That's a very time. Gary thing. That. Yeah, no, it is. And, uh, you know, and I, I was more into America as far as the situation for crime drama, you know, uh, more of my L.A. kind of stories. So, yeah, and the fact that it's two books put together only confounds to me that really... That makes sense, actually. Makes sense. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, we're not knocking Russell Lewis here because, as you know, we've championed Endeavour. This was just messy, and it's interesting because of the way it was filmed during COVID restrictions that they're going to wear these a bit like they did with May Gray all those years ago uh, when uh, they're just going to drop the occasional episode. It's not a series in terms of... No, it's, it's classed as a mini-series, so, yeah. yeah. It's just going to get dropped a new episode of Grace. I fear that this episode has now put me off watching anymore. Fair enough. Grace will be back at some stage. Did, did you like the notes, Matt? Were they good? I, they were good notes. Were they good? Was, uh, that, no, no, sorry. He, he, he I, asked me. He said, yeah, Matt, I did. Sorry. Yeah. sorry. Yeah. Three out of five. You That's only better than three, I've ever done. You only heard three out of the five things you said or what? <laughs> So, we're going to talk about the final show this week, which is on Sky One and came from HBO Max, the streamer's first official American drama. Uh, but I want to do something and use a jingle that has been sat gathering dust for the first time in 2021 and the first time in years. Let's go west. <laughs> That felt good. That felt good. Which one did you play, though? Oh, you have to wait and see, won't you? <laughs> this is The Flight Attendant. Can we just talk briefly? And we don't have to talk about this for very long, because Matt doesn't care, and I'm sure Gary doesn't have an opinion. But it's on Now TV. <laughs> Matt, uh, I, just, I just want to wow. mention it. It's on Now TV. It's a full box set now. Right, and it's on you're, Sky you're in charge One. of morale, are you? Yeah. Pastoral care. Right, OK. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> it's on now That's TV. That's the second time you've mentioned pastoral care. Yeah. It's on Sky One on Friday nights, but it's all there as a box set, all of the episodes on Now TV, except that now, Now TV is just called Now, and I can't get my head around it. What does Now mean? It doesn't mean anything. I hate that. What do you mean? No, what does it mean? It means you can get it now. Yeah, but it doesn't work as a... Uh, I mean, now my... streaming my, on Now. Yeah, my intrigue is, have they had to fight with the music compilation album for that trademark? Uh, now that, now, now that's, that's what I, I call TV... Exactly, because that's now, isn't it? Exactly, yeah. And it's the same sort of logo. They've changed the logo and the format and everything. They're but... not linked, are they? No, not as I'm aware. It's just really yeah. weird, because now I have to say it's on Sky One and now. What does that mean? I think the dropping of the TV doesn't help, but companies go through rebrands. I mean, mm. you know, what was Coco? Coco Pops was called something weird for a couple of weeks and then they changed their mind. I... I think it's probably, as, as Gary's saying there, it's probably some sort of board meeting thing. But they know it's TV already. We don't need the TV on there. Drop the but TV. It's cleaner. On yeah. podcasts, I have to say, so it's on Sky One on Friday night. So all episodes are there on now. No, no. But what you should do is now you should change. I don't mean that, that, that joke there. <laughs> you should change the name of the podcast to Custard. Don't need the TV bit. To be fair, we established that he shouldn't really have the TV in there because yeah, it's the telly. Yeah, it means TV. Yeah, it's a dub, yeah. yeah. Annoying. Okay, so now streaming on now as a complete box set, 
or on Friday night. I feel Friday like we spent far too many much time on this. <laughs> now, now nah. we move on. Let's, let's to move on. on now. Now, it's the flight attendant. HBO Max's first original drama since they launched as a streamer. If you don't include, it's a sin, which they also have as well. Uh, this is an eight-parter. It stars and is produced by. Well, well, well. Shopping for a car? Yep. Carvana made financing a car as smooth as can be. Oh yeah. I got pre-qualified instantly and had real terms personalized just for me. Hmm, doesn't get much smoother than that. Well, I got to browse thousands of car options on Carvana, all within my budget. Doesn't get much smoother than that. It does. I actually wanted a car that seemed out of my range, but I was able to add a cosigner and found my dream car. It doesn't get much. Oh, it gets smoother. It's getting delivered tomorrow. Visit Carvana.com or download the app to get pre-qualified today. Selling your car to Carvana is as easy as... As easy as pie? Sure. All you have to do is enter your license plate or VIN. As easy as a stroll in the park. Okay. Then just answer a few questions and you'll get a real offer in seconds. As easy as singing. Why not? Schedule a pickup or drop-off and Carvana will pay you that amount right on the spot. As easy as playing guitar. Actually, I find that kind of difficult. But selling your car to Carvana is as easy as... Can be. Visit Carvana.com or download the app to get an instant offer today. Kaylee Cuoco of The Big Bang Theory. It's the first thing she's done since that show ended. It's God knows how long run. It's adapted by a book of the same name. And Cuoco plays a flight attendant, as you would expect from the title, who uh, in Thailand has a romantic liaison well, not very romantic, actually. A liaison yeah. in, a, in, a, in, a, in a plane bathroom with a customer in first class then agrees to meet up with him and he takes him around and uh, she wakes up the next morning to wham playing, which is what we should all have on our alarm clock, and discovers his corpse, his bloodied corpse, uh, in the bed next to her. It's not a spoiler because that is the premise of the show. And then it is about how she deals with that she doesn't go immediately to the police she decides she's going to cover it up she's going to have a shower and she just cannot cope with the realities of what she's faced with she manages to get back to the u.s on on the plane and works as the flight attendant for the journey back but her colleagues notice she's behaving a bit shiftily you've got uh, rosie perez who i love who is one of the like her boss and who considers herself to be cassie's best mate even if she isn't and uh, you've got Soja Mamet in there as her best, has a real best friend who happens to be a lawyer, and uh, she's just about to leave the airport and go back to, to where she lives, and she's collared as the whole flight crew are when they find out that this body has been discovered, and then because this is sort of a hybrid comedy drama, there's also this aspect where Kaylee Cuoco revisits the dead body and has conversations with him in her mind and so it sort of plays off that as well with Kaylee Cuoco trying to piece together the events of that night which is very hazy because she's been drinking a lot as is a theme with the show as it goes on and with that character as it goes on and so she's trying to piece it together but of course he's a figment of her imagination so he only ever knows as much as she does. I watched this first episode when it first came out in the US in November then I put it down and thought I'll wait till we have to talk about it again and I was I was at a loss a couple of weeks ago uh, to watch something and I just started it again and I watched all eight episodes over a couple of days it's just a lot of fun she's brilliant I'm not a big bang theory fan but even in the episodes of that I did catch she's clearly a talent and this character and this performance 
really allows her to go to some quite deep places but whenever she's doing comedy it always feels or it always feels right for that character it never feels like oh she's just ott because this is actually as it goes on cassie is a damaged person she has flashbacks to her childhood where she, where we see the stems of her alcoholism she has a fractured relationship with her parents and with her brother it's just the story of cassie desperately trying to clear her name and not be implicated in the murder of this this guy and and just realizing what took place and who is involved and i just found it such a breath of fresh air it reminded me of the sort of the vibes i got from the first series or the first episodes of killing eve where yes thank you it's just fun to watch i just enjoy it and that central performance is so good and then the the women around her Rosie Perez and Zosia Mehmet are equally good and everyone bounces off of each other well and I, I, I can't praise it enough. I really, really enjoyed it. There isn't going to be a lot more I'm going to add to that because like you, I absolutely love this. I'm now on episode five and when we finish this podcast, I'm going to finish this series. I absolutely loved it. It's fast moving. It's got great opening sequence. I, uh, I which know, really. I I never skip that. I love that. No, I, yeah, exactly. I always watch it. It's such a great little sequence. It, it has very similar vibes to Catch Me As You Can and things yeah, like that. Yeah. And I think because the the link of he was also, you know, he also did a lot of you know, plane job swapping. Yeah. I love the pace. I love the fact that you've got these additional characters, which are fantastic. You know, it, it, you, I, I, again, apologies if I'm saying something that's not in episode one, because as you say, when you binge something, you lose track. Everything you've got is. you've got his her best friend who's a mob lawyer, effectively. You've got her boyfriend, in inverted commas. You've got the other flight attendants and their intricate lives. And what's great is, yes, you've got this central plot, which is obviously around this person she had a one-night stand with and his death. But also all of these additional characters has their own little side plot, which influences the main plot because it it means that because she is so damaged and so scatty almost in the way she's doing things, partly A, because of her history, and B, because of her alcoholism, and C, I think the job she has chosen, you know, the constant travel, the constant living out of a suitcase – must make you slightly, you know, which time zone am I in? Which, yeah. pl- which world am I in? You can never settle anywhere. Can yeah. You? I got completely Killing vibe, killing Eve vibes. And I wrote that on my notes. And I'm happy to send that to you to prove that I'm not just saying that because you yeah, did. I'm going to want that. Because <laughs> I, 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 I absolutely love the kind of tension that you get. I think that the thing that you love is that, as you say, you feel like you know Kaylee Cuoco because you've grown up watching her in so much stuff. She was also in... Um, eight Simple Rules, rules for That's Dating it. My Teenage Daughter. That's and then it. just Eight Simple Rules. She was in that, and then obviously in The Big Bang Theory. And, and effectively, she's kind of, in basis, playing a similar character in all three, almost like you've grown up. She's the character like, you've grown up. Penny like was the, a, I was going to say, was like, the alcoholic. bubbly blonde next yeah. door yeah. sort of thing. Uh, and she is just really good. The fact that she's exec producing as well as acting, I think, is a credit because this has got so much polish and yeah. sheen on it. And I really admire that. And the, the, the writing is so crisp because yeah. it's so fast that you don't have any time to settle and get bored by what's going on. Yeah, I have I, one slight concern. Please let there be a satisfying ending. I think um, there is. 
thank you. And secondly, the uh, no, the, the, no, the, there's nothing else I could pick on this show at the moment. Do you want to know what I think? Yeah. I would love it. <laughs> I hope you like it. Just to peel back the curtain, Luke somehow thinks that I won't like this, and I don't quite <laughs> know. Just because I, I don't go on. What did you think? I, I agree that you know I, I really liked the sort of the bouncy, the, 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 the pace of this really worked. It's very pulpy, as you say. You know, mm. Killing Eve is a brilliant comparison, but it, I suppose it's rooted in almost like Hitchcockian thrillers and things mm. like that, albeit with with a bit more of a sense of humour and and that is boiled down almost to that opening sequence, which is reminiscent of there's a guy called Saul Bass who designed a lot of these sequences for films in the 50s and 60s. And actually the music as well by Blake Neely is, is very, adds, adds to that that feeling and things like that. I agree as well. And I mean, it's, it's hard for us all to discuss this because we are different places in the series. So yeah. you, you, you You've seen it all. I, I I did the first two episodes so far. We're all different places. Yeah. I mean, where I am at the moment, I don't know as much about the character as you do. So my opinions are going yeah. to be different to yeah, yours. You know, maybe there wasn't enough set up perhaps on the character ahead of the inciting incident, which happens before the credits kick in. <laughs> One thing in particular, which I don't think it needed, is the the, the split screen. That seemed to be a a thing we or we'll just use it just for sort of you know looking a bit nastier than we need to be. It just didn't feel like they needed it. You know, I get that you're trying to be this stylish story, but that was one too many things for me. The talking to the to the corpse, it sort of worked in pieces but again it, it didn't always I'm work for me i'm surprised that luke likes that because i no, know, I know. That flashback, I, I, I flashback to one of your things. yes um and I, I think you know there is this element to this that is the classic airport novel you know i i suppose the story is a, a, a normal woman who is put in an extraordinary circumstance and what does she do next and as i say there is a very sort of hitchcock style to that i mean it's very much night north by northwest and I do like the performance by Kaylee Kuko. Kuko? No, I think I think Kuoko. I think you know, as as Gary said, you know, she's an actress we know we've seen growing up, and we know the type of character she plays. Obviously, this being more of a drama, this the, you know the character has got harder edges, and I am intrigued. As you say, you know, there are these sort of flashbacks to an image of a rabbit being killed mm-hmm. and she's now obviously you know trying to save rabbits and there's that scene at his work where she knocks down the statue of a rabbit so there's this yeah. rabbit motif as you say it's a really fun show it has got that sort of anarchic feel to it that the killing eve had i don't think it's as good maybe as people are you know making out you know it's a very sort of pulpy comedy thriller but you know i don't think it, it's that next level but I, I i did enjoy it and i will be watching it there's a lot of stuff in this loop that you don't normally like mm. so. yeah. <laughs> but i think it's, uh, it's because i just really buy into that lead performance and because they use those flashbacks you... or chats with him yeah. to sort of explore her and she and, and what, what's interesting is that he he's a very good actor. He was uh, in in a, a big slice of Game of Thrones, and I think it's a shame. Dario that... Harris. Thank you. Yes, not his real name, but his character's no, name. Michael Hussman. Hussman. And I think it, what's interesting is that it, it, he's probably the second best well-known actor in it. He well, dies in dies before the, the opening credits. 
I feel like they have found an interesting way of keeping his character around without it being too obtrusive, you know, and it's yeah. not like she's in contact with him in every scene. It's not like no. a Randall and Hopkirk deceased moment where no. his ghost is following her. So they do use that well. I think the other thing that Matt will get to explore and that I think is, is getting interesting, and I'm sure Luke will know, is how Michelle Gomez fits in. I was just going to say we haven't mentioned Michelle Gomez. And she's no. in the, the bits I've seen, she is really... I you know I really I think we all really like Michelle Gomez and, and that's I think the thing. she's an she's interesting the wild card for me in in the casting of like oh I wonder and I'm going to slightly play devil's advocate uh, with this one is this a case of this is HBO Max's first original programming mm-hmm. so there's a lot of money gone into this this is the first platform for Kaylee Cuoco since the Big Bang Theory I think we've pronounced the name differently it's Cuoco. Yeah. Like she's actually just... got a hyphenated surname as well, if actually. So I, it's slightly wrong. Well, she, well did. She, she did have when she, she did was have married. Time. It's like if you said status <laughs> quoco. That's how you're supposed she, to She say did it. a Courtney Cox Arquette for a while. Is there just nothing else like this on at the moment, which is why we're thinking, why particularly Luke and I are thinking this is so great? Is but... this a case of lockdown telly? You know, we're just crying out for something like this. But I would say that there's nothing like it generally because it. Everything else that we've reviewed on the programme, I mean, the closest It's a Sin was fun for for other reasons, but this is just out and out fun. And there aren't enough shows on television that are fun to watch. And this one is a good example of a show that's fun to watch. You're you're not a fan of The Wall with, no? No. And because it's fun to watch, when it goes darker, and it does go very dark as it goes on, then you're on board with it because... On board... They, they, oh yeah, there you go. <laughs> oh, because they, you've, you've got the faith in them, and they can turn it round again into comedic. And I just, just found it such a pleasure to watch. I could just, just enjoy it. And there's so few shows that we spoke a lot about the BBC making these really big, bombastic dramas that you know are supposed to be quite enticing and interesting and intricate plotting. Something like Bloodlands, which was just on the BBC. That's got all the bells and whistles of a prestige drama, but it's not fun. Well, don't, don't ruin that. I've not. Well, I've got that saved. Don't but, ruin it for me. But I think you know, your fifty-year-old couple sitting down to watch the TV on a Sunday night possibly would not want to watch something like this. You know, this but that's is very. Why this is on Sky One, not BBC yeah. One. Then, yeah, I, I, well, I think that's comment. where the scheduling comes mm. in. But I you think, know, be, I, I think TV on, forgets to be fun. Killing Eve was a massive hit initially, not because people were, as they are now, obsessing over whether Villanelle and Eve are a perfect couple or whatever, but because it was fun. You never knew where it was going. Those characters felt like people you'd never seen on but, television But I think before. as well the, 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 the violence and the subject matter was of interest, which is similar mm. to, to, to this as well, which is why I think we're getting those vibes, you know, there is that kind of vibe in that of, of the storyline as well, which is slightly surprised. And it's, and it's very strong female led. As you said, most of the good characters are female in this as mm. they were in killing Eve. Yeah. I, I can't praise it enough. And I, I would love to speak to both of you. I don't want to do it. Well, about, about eight o'clock tonight, I'll be finished. Okay. So I won't be. <laughs> oh, 
Look at him. See, he's not going to go back to it. He says he will, but he won't. I'm going to be. He probably will. Leave him alone. Have you finished that yet? Oh, have you have you done any more of that? It's like I have got I have got a full time job. Although I have got two weeks off work, so I may well do. You got two weeks off work. Matt, just me and you for a minute, okay? When I left the podcast, all right, it was just so much easier. All right, because there wasn't that constant around. Oh, have you watched this yet? What do you think of that? Oh, you don't disagree with me on anything anymore. Just, just nothing. <laughs> all right. Okay. God, just, they was like listening to me, and I did finish the investigation as well. Yeah. And he didn't go well done. He no, just well. No. Past well all care, my rear end. The flight attendant is on now, although it isn't. <laughs> and well, no, I'm not watching it now. Yeah, but you will. I'd be. see the confusion. And it's on Sky One. And Sky Box sets, and it's on now. I loved it. Gary likes it, and we'll love it, I'm sure, by the end. And Matt has got two weeks off work, and we'll probably just watch, I don't know, wrestling or Simpsons episodes that you've seen. Yeah. Nine times out yeah. There. That is it for the podcast, and it might be it as well for a while, because next week there is naff all on the telly so well I'd, I'd be happy to come back at the end of line of duty and tell you and we could wrap these three should wrap these uh, three up you know luke you are being really disrespectful to the final of interior design masters with alan Carr. sorry, I have to say. sorry. No, plus the voice one... the, the final of the voices on tonight i'm sure you've yeah. been turning your chair for that sorry yeah. sorry um sorry i do feel amiss that we did not review chernobyl with ben fogel yeah. No, if only for the rhyming ability. Or, or, or Return to Dumb Blame with Lorraine. You know, there's been a lot of rhyming <laughs> shows recently. I, <laughs> <laughs> uh, I didn't laugh at that one. Uh, no, I know. I didn't pick up on the rhyming ability of it when I saw it. That is it. If you want to reach us, at Custard TV Pond on Twitter, Custard TV Reviews at gmail.com if you want to send us an email yeah the tv for me we're on all the podcast apps please write us a review we don't ask for much and this is going to take me nine days to edit so please uh, write us a review uh, about the show and why you enjoy it or why you don't it doesn't have to be positive i just want a review uh, we're on all the podcasting apps you can even ask your alexa device to play our podcast it's always listening yeah always you'll even set her off this- even to this guff, she's listening. Gary, thank you so much for coming back. That's um, a pleasure. Just in can, I, can, I, can, I, can I plug my own Twitter uh, and the yeah, fact that on. after this show, I'm going to be posting my... I thought you were going to plug another podcast. No. Yeah, me too, then. Uh, I, 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 at the Gary Show, I'm going to go on Twitter and start thinking of other trauma-related events with uh, famous people uh, doing them, like Lorraine with Dunblane. I'm going to start coming up with some. Like there 9/11 was, you, you, with yeah, Gary, you 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 have missed that boat. There was a whole Twitter thread on that oh, was when, there? when that was first announced. Yeah, I mean it would be 9/11 with S Club Seven is the correct. Yeah, answer. that that, oh. that is correct. Yeah. Yeah, but no, that would be breaking social distancing rules at the moment, wouldn't it? There's more traumatic events than there are television presenters that rhyme with them. <laughs> yeah. Coronavirus with. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> World War Two with Hugh. COVID nineteen with Mr. Bean is the best. <laughs> yeah, thing that's a good one. <laughs> I don't think we're gonna top that. Goodbye. <laughs> See ya. Rate and review us wherever you find us. Search the Custard TV on YouTube, iTunes, and Facebook.
Returning your car to Carvana is as easy as... As easy as pie? Sure. All you have to do is enter your license plate or VIN. As easy as a stroll in the park. Okay. Then just answer a few questions and you'll get a real offer in seconds. As easy as singing. Why not? Schedule a pickup or drop-off and Carvana will pay you that amount right on the spot. As easy as playing guitar. Actually, I find that kind of difficult. But selling your car to Carvana is as easy as... Can be. Visit Carvana.com or download the app to get an instant offer today.